RPN is not responsible for the views, actions, statements, or opinions of its guests, advertisers, or even its viewers. The information contained in this program is not to be confused with medical or legal advice. An appearance on this platform is not necessarily an endorsement, but as always, we encourage you to do your own research. Enjoy the show. Good evening, everyone. You to do your own. And welcome back to another episode of Friday Night Livestream. Hope everybody out there is having a lovely day. If you're just coming in on the chat window, do me a favor, hit the like button. If you're on Foxhole, hit the red pill. If you're on Odyssey, hit that flame. I want to say thank you to TZ Burton. He dropped a donation yesterday, and I totally missed it. Tonight, my guest is Fran Strajnar. He is a tech executive. He's a big crypto guy. He's been heavy in this space for a very long time. Very educated on what's going on. He's actually been part and parcel to talks on certain governments in central bank digital currencies. This is a huge, huge issue right now, guys, because we stand poised to either enter another thousand years of golden prosperity for America and the world or the dystopian future that all of us don't want to see come about. So do me a favor. Sit back, relax, grab your popcorn, and I'm going to be right back after this with Fran Strajnar. All right. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back. Pay no attention to the caller information on screen that is not applicable at this time. Please join me in welcoming my guest for this evening, Mr. Fran Strajnar. And Fran, I've never asked, actually asked you if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but am I? Very close. Yes. Strajnar. <laughs> but uh, Strajnar, look, I've heard it all. Strangers, timeliner, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I'll I'll remember for the next time. Okay. Good stuff. Well, listen. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. Um, just so everybody is uh, is up to date on your bona fides, your your qualifications for discussing this tonight. Tell me a little bit about your background. Where are you from? What do you do? Sure. And uh, look, it's great to be on here. Really appreciate it. Um, so my background, I was born in Croatia, you know, Yugoslavia, and uh, in 91, I guess it was their turn to be democratized. So uh, <laughs> we fled as refugees to uh, Holland for a couple of years and then um, immigrated to, to New Zealand. And so I grew up here and I got my education here. And um, I ended up doing a, a master's of entrepreneurship. And there was a case study about the volatility index, the MSCI or CBOE VIX index. And I thought um, this was in 2013. I originally read Bitcoin's white paper in 2010, sort of mined it on my laptop and, you know, forgot about it because there was nothing you could do with it in 2010. And then 2013, I uh, reread Satoshi's white paper and I thought, this is a fourth superclass of money. Money is now programmable. This is going to be... 
you know, it's like a renaissance of finance because um, we all know that the old legacy system is broken. Mm-hmm. So I set up um, BraveNewCoin.com, which is the first business, which is sort of like Bloomberg for crypto, where we take the data from all the different exchanges and create indices and wrap it in research and uh, content and uh, so on and so forth. And then we push that out through to, you know, um, NASDAQ's global index distribution system, or you can ask Amazon Alexa, what's the price of Dogecoin that comes from us Mm. or any coin. Um, And so that's the, that's been the trajectory there is to sort of build infrastructure. But I mean, it's been a very long decade in crypto and I've certainly uh, traveling the world almost perpetually doing speeches and championing uh, this alternative parallel economy that was rising um, you know, in the early days, it was kind of like, get out of here, you crazy kid. Um, and when I was uh, warning people about the Cyprus bail-in, where depositors lost 45% of their bank balances, and Bitcoin blipped all the way up to, you know, a few hundred dollars from from uh, about 90 bucks. Um, and then that started getting people's attention. And then, you know, it's been these, uh, it's been an interesting four-year cycle uh, in, in crypto where it's, um, sort of gains a lot of attention and you get all these uh, billions of dollars in funding and startups and and then it kind of has a bear market and people quietly build things. And it couldn't have been better timing, right? I mean, 2008, when the white paper was sort of drawn up and when Satoshi released his um, an initial version, it was, uh, you know, Chancellor on the brink of second bailouts. Mm-hmm. And that was forever into the blockchain and it sort of shows the, the ethos of the whole bitcoin space you know can we have a different type of money and um well many years later i think 11 years later 12 years later uh, we've got something that is now um of significant geopolitical uh, importance as a parallel system while the old guard is kind of being exposed and dismantled effectively yes. So, so this is this is kind of the, the the question for the ages. I mean, Bitcoin really was like the wild west of finance, and then it gained wide wide acceptance, and people were using it in their own ways, in truly outside of the traditional financial sector. And now it appears that central governments and central banks want to get in on the action. And that's, I think, why we're hearing all this discussion about central bank digital currencies. So, I guess my question is. Do you think it's possible for cryptocurrency to continue to remain independent and outside of that traditional financial system, but still operating within it, kind of in the way President Trump did with the elites? Uh, Or uh, do you think that it's inevitable that it will be taken over and subverted by these central governments and banks? That's a good question. And look, uh, I have to make a distinction. There's Bitcoin and there's everything else. All the shit coins. <laughs> yeah. And look, I, I support radical innovation. I support um, being able to program and create new types of decentralized applications for various verticals. There are valid use cases, but it's quite a spectrum. you got Bitcoin at one end and then you have distributed ledger technology at the other end or CBDCs to an extent. Um and so Bitcoin doesn't care what people think. It doesn't care if people use it or don't use it. As long as um, there's still a few miners validating blocks, it continues to exist in a predetermined format. You know, um, it's it's the only predictable kind of money supply in the world. 
Um, and then for Jason Lowry's work, we're finding that, um, you know, Bitcoin is actually um, uh, units of cyber power. It's transmuting energy into transferable units of value, which is quite a, you know, um, uh, head spin to get your head around. But um, I'll just pin that thought there for the, for the moment, because after um, over a decade, Bitcoin's actually now entering into the geopolitical arena. Mm-hmm. So can CBDCs and Bitcoin coexist? Well, Bitcoin doesn't care if CBDCs exist. I think that CBDCs are going to cause the biggest onboarding into Bitcoin the world has ever seen, right? But it's a very dense, complicated um, topic, so we can sort of unpack that um, uh, in different sort of ways to look at it. Well, I, I I can totally see why that would happen. I mean, if they take away traditional money and tell us that the only way that we can hold value now is in a digital form and Bitcoin exists and you know, even all the, the shit coins, they continue to exist. Uh, and then we have the central bank digital currency, you know, a, a digital U.S. dollar or whatever it is. Then, yeah, I can totally understand how people would be rushing to get into Bitcoin because, uh, you know, Bitcoin will be there on the blockchain and your value can be in a wallet that you own or it can be on uh, an exchange. And if you have a, a CBDC from the, the, the Fed or wherever it might be coming from, you're going to be on a wallet that is owned, monitored and controlled by that bank. So, uh, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. People would be flocking to the Bitcoin. <laughs> Yeah, so let, let's sort of unpack what a CBDC actually is, right? Okay. First, let's take a, let's take a look at, at Bitcoin. It's the world's first value type that is um, programmed in math and uh, extremely predictable. So we know how much will be produced roughly every 10 minutes, and we know that every four years is what's called the halving, which you know halves the supply of uh, new Bitcoin in existence. Mm-hmm. Contrast that to central banks, not even CBDCs, but just central banks in general. Since 1913, everyone should read The Creature from Jekyll Island, by the way. It's a fantastic book on... So you've just frozen there. Can you hear me? Yeah, I've got you now. Yes. And uh, yes, you were just saying The Creature from Jekyll Island. Fantastic book. Yeah. So, you know, it was the beginning of the first charter, so to speak, of uh, fiat money. Or so, you know, New Zealand dollars, pounds, Australian dollars, Canadian dollars. We call them fiat currencies. Mm -hmm. And in a fiat system, it's inflation prone, boom and bust cycle generating uh, and debt based. So if you paid all the U.S. debt off, there wouldn't be a dollar left in circulation, right? No, so theoretically. <laughs> theoretically. So that, that system relies on the application of interest to stimulate mm. spending. So you don't just hoard money that you can you know, actually spend it and in, in the, the velocity of money in the economy is there. And then central banks just simply decide how to uh, raise or, or decrease interest rates as their sort of main lever. Um, in... 1971, uh, the US dollar was taken off the gold standards. And if you look at all the different charts, I mean, uh, WTF happened in 1971.com has a plethora of amazing charts. You should just check out um, whoever built their website. It's uh, done a world a huge favor. WTF happened in uh, 1971.com. And you can see that basically the fiat system broke in 1971. It was kind of like the first big expansion or uh, lifeline given to the fiat system, the dollar system. 
And then through, you know, the military might and U.S. supremacy, the dollar was enforced all of these decades. Um, trade and settlement, particularly in energy, always happens in uh, the U.S. dollar. And then in 2008, 2009, during a global financial crisis, uh, the central banks started to print unbelievable amounts of money and bailing out not just U.S. banks, but, you know, international banks and uh, offshore uh, interests as well. That increased the money supply. And so, you know, every dollar in circulation became worth less um, over time. It took a long time for this to catch up. I mean, argue, you could argue that we're experiencing the hangover now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then during the COVID era, perfect excuse, you know, a pandemic to uh, increase the money supply by a whopping 40% in the last two and a half years. So that's why we have this cost of living crisis, right? Mm -hmm. A small country like New Zealand spent $85 billion, which is like a drop in the bucket compared to the United States balance sheet, but it's huge for a tiny country like New Zealand. And now we have rising interest rates and a severe cost of living crisis, right? Um, so this is all kind of easy to, to project. And um, I always hear the argument of, uh, you know, people incompetent, well, so yeah, partly, but um, they have unlimited resources to get the best analysts and modelers to figure out what the consequences of their actions are. There's, there's exactly zero likelihoods that they didn't expect inflation from printing 40% of the world, you know, the, of the money supply. Yeah, yeah, it was designed so, to fail. So now we have, you know, the BRICS nations for the last decades have been hoarding and buying as much bullion as possible, right? Mm-hmm. And productive assets. And they've been signing their trade agreements to settle outside of the US dollar. It almost feels like um, it's, uh, it, it's, it's like entering the panic mode. Every single day we're seeing some major announcements in Brazil, China, um, settling trade outside of the US dollar. You got the big ASEAN conference that has said we don't, we're going to move away from the dollar. You had the Malaysian president say, hey, this is only last week. Uh, we, you know, we don't need US dollars anymore. Um, and, and then China turned around and said, well, here's $35 billion to create a competitor to the Bank of International Settlements. Mm-hmm. You know, so these things are happening so fast now. And so it's not just the fact that they printed an astronomical amount of money and created inflation. But at the same time, we now have a, a rapid de-dollarization. Mm-hmm. And so what can you do if you're sitting there going, oh, OK, well, the trajectory is clear. We can't raise rates, Right because uh, that'll just crush the economy and they can't print more because inflation will just go out of control, you know, Weimar Republic style. Yes. So what they want to do is to replace the US dollar and other, you know, mostly Commonwealth currencies with uh, what I call policy coupons because it's no longer money, right? Bitcoin separates the state from, you know, uh, money, Mm-hmm. And the human's greatest achievement um, in the last couple of hundred years has been separating the church from the states. And, you know, we had the Renaissance and the, the Industrial Revolution after that. Bitcoin holds the promise to delineate the sort of power structure from from money. And that's on one end of the spectrum. CBDCs are consolidating fiscal mm-hmm. and monetary policy into, you know, single unit of hands. Um, so that's kind of the battle that I've been predicting for about a decade now, saying, you know, Bitcoin 
created a spectrum in people's minds of decentralization and then using this tech for total centralization at the other end. And so, you know, you've got unstoppable financial automata at one end and you have kind of a technocratic dystopia at the other end of the mm-hmm. spectrum. Um, and so you just game theory this out and you could sort of model out and figure out what um, the likely scenarios are going to be. But remember, the the chaos is not evenly distributed. So BRICS nations hoarding gold, 80 plus countries now uh, signing security and trade agreements with each other. And they're backing their individual currencies with bullion and productive assets of all types. Um, whereas, you know, the Commonwealth nations have been selling off their bullion. They've been stopping, you know, gas and oil exploration permits. They have been uh, selling off, you know, ports and refineries and, and all kinds of stuff. And it's just shelling out these com- countries, right? And so it feels uh, a lot like what happened in uh, Eastern Europe after World War II. You know, I mean, like they they did it to Ukraine, and I know they did it to a number of other nations there too. I mean, what, once you stop producing something as a nation, and uh, there's no like intrinsic value in anything that's happening there, it's just people being consumers, or uh, you know, uh, I guess reasons for people to come travel. I mean, that that's really all that they're leaving us. Yeah, well, so do you remember the Marshall Plan after? Yes. After yeah. The, yeah. So that was the U.S. giving, I don't know how many billions of dollars. It was a lot for the time, 15 billion perhaps, towards the reconstruction of um, mainly East Germany and, and Europe after the war and all the rest. And the banking sector booms. The economy did boom. Uh, but what it created is something called um, Euro dollars, the U.S. dollars in Europe. And then they're packaged up as a bond. So they're called euro bonds. And they are, um, that needs to go, right? There's four times as many US dollars outside the US than in the US. And these. uh, We lost you again. Fran, are you there? Can you hear me? I believe Fran is on um, Starlink. And uh, as we saw with Brad on Wednesday, Starlink is having some issues. Uh. Okay, so <clears throat> let me go through the chats over here. Uh, Fringe Dweller says buying silver and gold. Yeah, I think buying silver and gold is an excellent idea. Ah, yes, and uh, we've lost him entirely. Well, he'll be back here in just a moment, I'm sure. Um, over here, Debbie, I don't think I'm coming down with anything, but I definitely have a frog in my throat. All right, so let's go ahead and take a look at WTF happened in 1971, give you an idea of uh, how the the country has changed. Look at that. At the moment that we went off of the gold standard, productivity rose and compensation basically stayed flat. And real GDP, real wages and trade policies in the United States, everything changed in 1971 when we went off the gold standard. You know... There's a couple of different things that I I know could happen as a result of what we find ourselves going through right now. And I'll I'll go over this with Fran when he gets back on the line. But I've said this so many times. If we're going to change the financial system, if we're going to evolve beyond the fiat currency, Federal Reserve dollar, then we have to implode it. Because if it's destroyed, then they have some impetus, some reason 
to come up with something else. Now, I believe that that something else could be a couple of different things. It could be the central bank digital currency that I think most governments, uh, at least aspects of these Western governments and, you know, other nations as well, uh, are hoping that we're able to go to. But we also have the opportunity to go to something that is based upon a real storage of value, whether it's on precious metals, uh, energy, could be oil, could be natural gas, uh, could be coal, Uh, You know, all of these things the United States has in abundance. And so we could quite easily back the value of our currency using that. I would prefer if it was something along the lines of uh, uh, physical metals, something uh, like precious metals, because that's something you could store up. You know, they could keep that in Fort Knox. Uh, But we have no idea how much gold is actually in the hands of the feds. What's up, Clint Morris? Good to see you. Debbie says, uh, red pill, sorry, but I can hear more than a frog in your throat nasally. Trust me. Uh, I guess you might be right, but I don't even know. Uh, Let me see. Uh, Good to see you, Esther. Good to see you, Algorithm Q. You were in here before anybody else. Uh, Yes, I've got a whole cupboard full of horse paste. Hold on. Fran uh, says that his internet just disappeared and he's uh, trying to come back in. Um, yeah, as I said, he's he's got Starlink because he's out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, so unfortunately, this is the cost. Uh, Brad actually showed me an interesting graphic earlier today showing that like the entire northern portion of the world, like once you got past like the contiguous 48 states, uh, everybody no longer had access to Starlink Internet. I wonder if that's happening in the southern hemisphere as well, because uh, from what I understand, he is somewhere in the southern hemisphere. All right, here he comes. Here he comes. We're going to give it a shot. Yeah, and President Trump's, yeah, Starlink went down, truth is out there, says. Since President Trump's speech the other night, Rumble was, like, just insane. Uh, Not very good at all. It was very glitchy. Uh, and uh, and since then, I've heard that a number of different channels have had issues connecting and actually um, joining a stream. And Fran is attempting to connect. Maybe he had to call in on his phone or something. I, uh, Algorithm Q says, I saw a coworker today that lost 100 pounds by taking two pencil eraser amounts and drinks lemon water. What? Are you saying that all he's doing is taking ivermectin and drinking lemon water? And his hip replacement has stopped. Well, geez, if you lose 100 pounds, I would think that your hip replacement would get a lot easier. Yeah, major games are being played right now for show. That's Clint Morris. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Hey, Belushi, good to see you out there, dude. I haven't seen that name in a long time. I know you're busy. You got your own show. You're a big, big hustler now in the streaming services. But hey, man, I'm glad that you're here. Uh, If you guys are not subscribed to Belushi over on Foxhole, you should be. Uh, Thank you very much, Debbie, for always uh, putting out the information. And uh, again, thank you to Fringe Dweller for the donations. Uh, Man. Give us the recipe. He sounds normal to me. He is tired. Damn, I, who, who knows? Who knows? Um, 
I'm I'm actually very interested in what's going on with your your neighbor or your coworker. Who was it? Your neighbor or your coworker? Yeah, coworker losing a hundred pounds taking ivermectin. I mean, I, I I would I would think that you would need more sustenance than that. I understand that if you're losing weight, you're burning off all that fat. But God, to not eat anything, just erasers and lemon. That's what I saw, Esther. <laughs> I was like, he's eating pencil erasers. It's got to be ivermectin. All right. So Fran is not connecting still. We're going to have to go back. All right. So in the meantime... Uh, let me pull up. Let's see what happened in the news today. I don't even know. I didn't even look at the news today. Let's go over here and take a look. Oh, no, this is not cool. Travis County finds a Texas soldier guilty of murder for shooting an armed Antifa BLM protester in self-defense during the 2020 riots. You've got to be kidding me. I remember this guy. I remember when, okay, this is definitely going to uh, to go to appeal here. A Texas soldier was found guilty of murder on Friday after Soros-backed district attorney Jose Garza sought murder charges for an act of self-defense during the 2020 George Floyd riots. Sergeant Daniel Perry, an Army soldier who shot and killed an armed BLM protester in Austin in July 2020, was indicted on a murder charge in 2021. Perry's lawyer, Clint Broden, argued his client, who was driving Uber when rioters mobbed his car, was acting in self-defense after the BLM terrorist pointed a gun at him. It definitely sounded like self-defense to me. I thought it was going to be self-defense. But this is the world that we're living in now. They want you to be afraid to defend yourself, uh, especially if you're living in an area with a George Soros promoted and paid for prosecutor. A nearly week-long trial for U.S. Army sergeant accused of killing a demonstrator at a social justice protest in downtown Austin nearly three years ago has come to an end. After hearing testimony from dozens of witnesses, the Travis County jury heard closing arguments from both the defense and prosecution on Thursday in the case of Daniel Perry, who shot and killed Garrett Foster in July 2020 following 17 hours of deliberation. The jury found Perry guilty of murder in connection with the death of this man. Okay. Perry dropped off a rideshare customer in downtown Austin and was then surrounded by demonstrators. Some of them allegedly beat on Perry's car, including Foster. Foster and his fiance had attended previous demonstrations at one on July 25th. He was holding a rifle. Perry claims Foster raised a weapon, prompting Perry to shoot him. Perry called 911, but Foster did not survive. Perry said he acted in self-defense and turned himself into authorities after the shooting, and since then he's been out on bond. Wow, that is awful. Okay, so algorithm cue. Let's, I want to talk about this. Are you saying that you are applying ivermectin directly to the surface of your skin? Uh, Tam Growl, thank you very much for that can, and then Porpoiseful, thank you for the cookie. And, uh, yeah, I'm very interested. I've never heard of people applying ivermectin topically. Okay. All right. Um, You guys, we're going to take a commercial break. I'm going to get some things together here. And uh, hopefully we're going to hear from Fran again before the night is over. But it's looking like maybe he's not going to be able to join us. So we'll be right back. All right. Let's 
go to the news as we wait for Fran to come on back in. Because there were several stories that came out today, which looked to be pretty interesting. Uh, let me just get the Rumble chat on screen here for us. And let's get some articles up here. So, one thing that I definitely read about earlier today was this situation right here. Uh, you know, we've been talking a lot about the 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 trans issue lately, and that's not ever something that I thought we were going to be focusing on hardcore on the channel, but I feel that the direction they are pushing the nation warrants that we have to talk about this. Um, there was literally a kidnapping of sorts. A Certainly a woman, a biological woman, was held against her will for several hours as a crowd of violent trans activists demanded that she basically stop sticking up for the rights of biological women. Her name, is, well, the woman is Riley Gaines. She's a, I guess, a champion swimmer. Um, and in the melee, she was actually physically assaulted by a guy in a dress, and they barricaded her into this room uh, for nearly three hours. And here is actual video of her being held against her will. And what we're hoping to do is to keep things peaceful. And Make her lose her fright. And move, and move forward, okay? Yeah, Tell her to pay us. Long. Tell her to pay us and then she could go. Ten bucks each. So they literally demanded payment for her quiet and safe release. Because you probably got papers for this shit, so we could get papers too. Just one second, friend. We said we had peace. We're out there. We're in peace. So what's the end goal here? We're cooperating. So what's next? So So they need to do their job. We created a path. It's here. I can't speak to all of you when we're over talking to each other. We're not going to hear each other. Don't let her hold. They know. You don't have to use. There's a difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. What's insane to me is that. They kidnapped this woman. They held her against her will. And then they made demands. There were police in the room. There were police who could have taken action to ensure Riley's safety and security. And instead, they stood by as this mob of trans activists held her against her will. I mean, that is kidnapping. And people have been brought up on charges and put away for a lot less so that situation is still unfolding. I hope that Riley is able to uh, continue to stay safe and uh, she's able to get the justice that she is well-deserved to receive. Uh, now, Fran, can you hear me? Because yeah. Okay, okay, good. I've got you back again. All right, so uh, your, internet is, your internet went out? Yeah, I've been using Starlink since uh, it first came out. You know, with basically unstoppable internet, never had an interruption, and right now it's deciding to spend the time to recalibrate itself. So that's uh, very unfortunate. I'm sorry. Uh, it's okay. As long as we've got you on the line and we can still hear what you're saying. Now, I actually, one of my co-hosts on uh, another show that I do Wednesdays on Badlands Media, 
uh, Brad, he he lives in Alaska, and so all he has up there is Starlink as well. And Starlink has been uh, experiencing some issues, like outages, basically from like the uh, at whatever like latitude and longitude the uh, the the forty eight contiguous United States uh, ends, like the whole northern portion of Earth. And I wonder if maybe the Ooh. southern portion of Earth uh, have not been able to get service. So. Uh, who knows? Uh, there could be issues with the satellites. I think I actually saw something about – I don't remember if it was uh, – if China was was upset because – or maybe people were upset that China was going to be attacking like con, like commercial satellites that, that were not uh, owned by governments. I don't know. So hopefully that's not what this is. Yeah, I was going to say, as um, someone taking satellites out, it was the Kiev regime that was threatening to take down U.S. satellites. Oh, uh, that's it. Or Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's the war in space. You know, we're, we're supposed to not have any militarized weapons up there, and, and yet we do. And it's a whole yes. other frontier of issues to, to think about. But where, where, uh, where should we jump back into um, well, I think that, um, we were, you, you had uh, explained, well, I think you were still in the midst of explaining the kind of, uh, uh, system and structure that may exist. I was just saying while you were off the air that, um, you know, this, what we're going through right now, this financial turbulence and the kind of overall structural changes that we're seeing take place both in America and abroad, um, could lead us down two paths. You know, we could go down the road of a brand new monetary system where Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies are allowed to exist and the United States and perhaps other nations uh, have a currency that's based on real value, based on, uh, you know, precious metals, or we could tie it to other storages of value like oil or natural gas or coal, whatever it might be. Uh, Or we could go down the path of that new monetary system being solely based upon a central bank digital currency that uh, would be run by the Federal Reserve or some other agency within the United States government. And then that's like that dystopian future that I think we both mentioned that uh, that I think a lot of people are very anxious about. Um, and uh, and so I guess, you know, I, I you know, whatever your thoughts are and uh, where we were going, we can get back there. Sure. Yeah. So central bank digital currencies are being rolled out. Um, and they weren't supposed to really be ready for rollout until probably about 2025. Mm-hmm. So everything's been expedited. Leave that for another time. But um, when when something this megalithic is expedited, it's like an oil tanker trying to turn. It, you know, they, they can't turn quickly. And so by expediting it, um, the people are waking up to the potential dangers of CBDCs. Yes, particularly when you know you ask simple questions like. Is money still going to be money or will my cards decline? Not because I don't have sufficient credits, but because perhaps I've had too much red meat this month and I can't buy that burger or yes. perhaps everything costs a hundred percent more outside of my 15 minute city, you know, and where did that concept come from? And so, um, I think that the, uh, federal reserve system, um, 100 plus banks around the world um, is coming to an end. They themselves know that it can no longer be propped up. They can't raise rates. They can't print more. They're doing both. 
and cash is consolidating into the top five banks in the mm-hmm. U.S. anyway, right? So once once all the cash is in basically one place, that's when you know um, insert cyber attack or God knows what perfect excuse comes in and don't worry folks we'll replace your money with these policy coupons and then they'll you know then you can't get out that's um that's it so so let, let me ask you this um, could- so if if they were to consolidate all the money how do you think that they would handle the debt that the united states has because i mean it, it Obviously, all of that money went out there on the on a promissory note, basically, to the Fed. But because of the interest on the money that we have borrowed, there isn't even enough money to pay off whatever supposed debts exist. So do you think that they would wipe the slate clean or they would tell the people of America or other nations that, you know, we personally are on the hook to pay back whatever the system is? Uh, probably a mixture of both. I mean, one theory is that things become so degraded in the money supply and money system that um, they do turn around and say, don't worry, we'll, we'll wipe your credit cards, we'll wipe your mortgages, we'll even give you a thousand bucks a month, for, you know, universal basic income. And all you have to do is, you know, uh, never own anything again. Um, so this is, the, you know, the great reset, if you will. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. resetting the financial system, except it was never supposed to be in the backdrop of a hundred plus countries coming together, backing their currencies with, you know, hard assets, signing trade and, and security packs with each other. And that's the, you know, BRICS plus, plus, plus nations, as I call them, um, and the Shanghai Corporation Organization, which is um, trade and security. Um all, all of these different sort of regional packs um, that are that are now um, basically saying the world, the Western world, the U.S. hegemony, the U.S. dollar-dominated order, you know, the liberal world order, has uh, it, come to an expiry. We better build our own. So they have. They built an alternative to the SWIFT system uh, for bank communications. To um, they're, they're building an alternative to the BIS and the Bank of International Settlements and the World Bank. So on and so forth, and so they kind of created a parallel economy, you know, a, a mm-hmm. runaway civilization, if you will. And um, trying to push a CBDC in this backdrop is just going to be extreme political suicide. And so um, I think that they're going to offer it, and it'll be rejected. And, and as a society, we kind of have to go through this expedited, haphazardly released CBDC program. For the people to realize, okay, so it, it is a policy coupon. It, you know, money is no longer money. Fiscal and monetary policy is being consolidated into unelected hands, basically. And they're ushering in what they're calling stakeholder capitalism, um, you know, which is the removal of um, personal property rights and so on and so forth. And, um, you know, stakeholders manage resources, so to speak, or mm-hmm. in other words, corporations. So it's a battle between decentralization of, you know, shiny bitcoins showing the world a plan B of, of uh, what could be done quite easily and is already being done. And you can be your own bank and you can avoid all of this chaos. Um, I mean, same thing with bullion, right? I know that a lot of uh, bitcoiners 
don't like bullion because they call it a shiny pet rock and mm-hmm. it's got limitations on the transportation and everything else. But I imagine a world very soon where after this chaos, you will have uh, regional currencies backed by bullion and then Bitcoin will be used for international trade and settlements in some areas. And then individuals transition to be their own bank in the West because if you look at places like I don't know, Venezuela or Chile, Argentina, um, uh, Lebanon, where the currency is so bad that the volatility of Bitcoin is not a problem. You know, it doesn't matter if this thing jumps 5% on a daily basis um, up and down because their own currencies are worth 100 for 1,000 or whatever of what they used to a year ago. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, yeah, I mean, let's just take a look at uh, Augustus Carson, the general manager of the Bank of International Settlement. This is a direct quote from him. The central bank will have absolute control over the rules and regulations that will determine the use of that expression of central bank liability, CBDCs, and we will have the technology to enforce that. Next quote. We don't know who's using a $100 bill today, and we don't know who's using a 1,000 peso bill today. The key difference with CBDC is the central bank will have absolute control on the rules and regulations that will determine that use of that expression of central bank liability. Mm-hmm. And also, we will have the technology to enforce it. Now, yesterday, we had um, uh, Christine Lagarde, uh, Central European um, Bank President, um, states that um, uh, reveals plans to launch a digital euro, the CBDC, uh, says that there will be control over payment, right? So this is social engineering. Mm-hmm. Now, you could build a central bank digital currency that's more like a stable coin. The old technology that central banks use, I mean, it could actually use uh, uh, an improvement, and we could use something like the Bitcoin blockchain um, or some other open source consensus-driven blockchain uh, for banks to hold their ledgers on um, and account for how much money is flowing through the system. And that would theoretically offer you know, radical transparency to the benefit of the people, avoid systemic risk in some regards. Um, but really, it's just the, the digitization or mm-hmm. the tokenization of uh, central bank money. Um, but that's not what they seem to be doing. No, you, know, I, you just read their own speeches and you see that they do want that programmability. And that's my yes. beef with CBDCs, so to speak. I mean, the the ultimate control over the flow of money uh, uh, over you know, what you can use it to purchase. I mean, and then also the kind of uh, opaque mystique that would exist because they would have total control and they wouldn't have to be transparent in the same way that, you know, people who can uh, actually like examine the blockchain and and see where things are going and, and, uh, and how the money is actually flowing. I mean, that's exactly what they want is, is the total control over it because that means that they can not only control the money, but they can control you. They can control your life. I mean, uh, the uh, the the idea of a social credit score is something that I think a lot of people think of when they think about that possibility. Because, you know, if they examine you and your life and your behavior online or, or the way that you have been 
spending your money up until that point, you know, as you said, if you bought too much steak that month, you know, they can just determine that, well, you're not allowed to eat any more meat for the rest of the month, but you are perfectly welcome to purchase fried crickets or something along those lines. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. And look, um, uh, last year, there was a bank run in China. There was some regional property development related bank that was um, insolvent, and it led to um, thousands and thousands of locals um, almost with pitchforks, you know, mm. and torches outside the bank. And so, what did the regime do? Well, they just simply turned everybody's COVID status to positive, right? And um, <laughs> they, they could have, yeah. So now they're in breach uh, of, uh, you know, pretty severe quarantine laws and all the rest, and they were. Um, they had to dis- they disperse them that way, and um, the military actually sent tanks to the to the uh, local um, or the regional central bank um, at the time. It was just the most insane video that I've seen of, of uh, tanks being rolled out to to sort of um, prevent any further dissent uh, that people may wish to uh, you know because they're just sitting there going, "I want my money. I can't live. I need to eat." Um, and this is insane. Where's my money? Mm-hmm. And while it wasn't uh, turning off their CBDC and just turning their balances to negative or freezing their money, it it is an expression of the use of technology to sh- uh, shape behavior mm-hmm. uh, at, a, at a grand scale. Um, and so that's the real concern. If we have digital ID, central bank digital currencies, uh, and a social credit score, you know, um, you might uh, be penalized for some awesome meme that you posted on Twitter 10 years ago because a future regime decides that it's wrong thing. Well, and that's also, the real danger. Um, also, also now here in America, Fran, you might actually end up in prison for posting a spicy meme. Have you heard about the uh, the, the case of the, the uh, Doug? I'm sorry, I can't remember his last name, but the man who posted a meme saying that you can now vote for Hillary Clinton through text message or or by making a phone call or something like that. And uh, and, and they prosecuted him for like voter intimidation or, or, or something along those lines. Just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And look, we're dealing with arguably a hundred plus year power structure being exposed and removed yeah. ultimately at the, at the most macro level. And the East and the you know the global south have basically said no thanks we're just going to make our own um, uh, rules based order and we're going to come together in a fair way where we're going to address the currencies we're going to address the tariffs and trade deals and we're going to get away from uh, the hidden hand of uh, you know the, the Babylonian money magic whatever you, whatever you want to call it how far back we want to look right. Yeah, and so America in particular is basically under attack. You know, um, economic, biological, currency from every front. Um, but I think we're going to see a wild card. I think we're going to see um, the you know on the back of information that's been pouring out, well, the citizens, you know, just like in multiple other countries. It feels like the whole world's about to revolt, right? So, like, yes, it does. I mean, you look at yeah. France, you look at um, what's going on with Imran Khan in Pakistan. Just every country on the planet is, is just sick of the um, uh, manipulation of their affairs. People just want to have some kids, you know, uh, have some chickens, whatever, live their lives, be able to have some reasonable living standards. Um, and, you know, ex- explore their creative side. 
Um, now with all these factors, this fourth industrial revolution with AI and automation, um, there's argument out there from the likes of Yuval Harari and others that it's just simply um, uh, too many people and, and this whole system needs to be changed so that it's more top-down and more centrally controlled. Mm-hmm. Um, but Bitcoin, thankfully, came out when it did. It's put into the subconscious of you know this, of all societies that, hey, there is a plan B. There is a different way. I can take sovereignty back of my finances. I can be my own bank. I cannot I can just step away from the noise and the crazy. And so that's why we're seeing a heightened level of noise on all fronts, mm-hmm. um, whether it's the politics going on in the U.S. or the draconian measures around currencies out of Europe. Um, or the farmers' strikes in you know Holland and, and everything else, um, people are just saying you know I want out, um, and it's very hard to get out. Um, you know it's scary to consider buying Bitcoin. I don't even view it as buying Bitcoin anymore. I view it as selling dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next six months is going to be chaos. They're going to attempt to replace Western money with CBDCs. I think it'll come in two or three offerings. Um, just again, the, it's just political suicide to try and roll this out in the current climate. And it's going to get even worse by the time they're ready to roll it out. So it will be rejected. Um, unless there's some kind of cover story, some kind of event that allows them to, to say, oh, don't worry, we have the solution. But I think they're just rolling it out too early. And we're seeing parallel efforts by various legislators across the U.S. to propose uh, backing um, the U.S. dollar with with gold or creating state currencies. And remember, the Confederate dollar circulated for years after the the collapse. So uh, it's not like the U.S. dollar is going to go away. It's just going to buy less and less. It's going to devalue in in purchasing power and... um, we're already seeing uh, Operation Choke Point 2.0, mm-hmm. uh, which is, um, you, you know, with Silvergate Bank and Signature Bank. I mean, Signature wasn't even insolvent when the FDA, when they took it over, basically. Um, these are the crypto-friendly banks, and they've just been taken off the chessboard. And here in, in New Zealand and Canada and, and UK, we're seeing reports of banks freezing or slowing down people sending money to Bitcoin exchanges. Really? Right? So that, that is capital. Oh, yeah, it's it's widespread. Our whole industry is aware of it and moaning about it. If you're a business in New Zealand and you, you put web free or Bitcoin in terms of your description of what you do, you, you can't even get a bank account to um, pay payroll, let alone take customers' deposits in. Uh, so it's, it's the anti-competitive banking behavior is above board. I mean, it's like visible is what I mean. It's, it's not like everybody sees it, everybody's talking about it. And I, I step back and I look at it and go, well, this is capital flight control. But they, they are desperately trying to avoid people taking money out of their old system um, and putting it into anything um, else, bullion or Bitcoin or whatever. Um, so this trend is just going to accelerate and it's like, a, it's like a fight. It's a battle, right? And at some point, something will snap. And then the masses, the normies, they go, oh, my God, you know, it's 20 bucks a loaf of bread or $30 a liter of, or petrol or a gallon in the U.S., I suppose. Um, like, 
that's when they get off their ass and demand that something is done um, and then collectively at the same time try to exit the system. Mm-hmm. And that creates a bank run. So my prediction for the next few months is basically we've already had the first wave of bank runs in the U.S. Um, I predicted three waves of bank runs because collapse isn't overnight. It's it's a process. Right. <clears throat> We're going to see more money consolidating to the bigger and bigger banks in a in uh, in a series of two to well, three to four bank runs, I suppose. You know, they'll flare up regionally in different places. Um, and then we're going to have currency uh, devaluations. I mean, that can either be done overnight or it's a slow process of um, the loss of purchasing power, you know, further devaluations. And then ultimately, um, you know, bonds are, are worse than cash. Cash is, is um, hyperinflating. The, you know, you can't stick money into the economy or, or the stock market because a lot of those assets are way overvalued. Um, so you have to be extremely selective and, and look at, you know, um, value stocks and cash producing, you know, uh, businesses that actually make things that people actually want. Um, and uh, ultimately, we end up with sovereign debt defaults. And if you remember FTX, when it was, um, you know, a rush out the door, people were withdrawing uh, their money as fast as they could before they froze withdrawals. Mm-hmm. Think of that on a country scale. Certainly. And that's part, that's what sovereign debt defaults are going to look like. There's no coming back from that. You basically have to have a new um, uh, money system um, replace the old money system in general. And that means um, widespread losses, you know, fully realized widespread losses to everybody that's a bondholder or um, various stocks and, and let me ask you this. Uh, do you have any predictions on what U.S. banks will actually survive? I mean, is there any safe place to keep money in American dollars? Well, I'm not an expert in U.S. Uh, economics and the solvency of banks, but um, just being in Bitcoin for so long, I, I have to kind of take the maximalist um, position that I don't trust any of them. Mm-hmm. And so I would rather um, just hold bullion and Bitcoin, and there's products out there where you can get a Visa or MasterCard or whatever, and it, you know you, you give it a little bit of um, Bitcoin in terms of your account of the provider, and so you can go around and you can spend, and it deducts your Bitcoin balance, and the merchants still get dollars, right? So that's a nice, clean way to be able to still do your regular payments, um, but hedge your yourself out of having bank accounts and into having um, crypto, basically. And so these these products, there's one called Rush.Gold, um, a great company out of Australia. That they, they do the same thing, but it's it's a bullion broker. So you can buy some bullion, they give you a MasterCard, and you can spend it, and they deduct your bullion balance. Brilliant. So I call those hybrids because we're in for at least a couple of years of, of the tech, you know, um, the payments on and off ramps and the gateways um, to be there. Um, but we might see, you know, other things like, for example, El Salvador still uses the U.S. dollar as their main currency. They don't have their own currency. And there's a multitude of countries around the world that use the U.S. dollar as their actual you know, main currency. And so what we might see is that a, a non-U.S. dollar, non-euro, a non-commonwealth currency starts to become used um, in these countries um, instead of the dollar. So I call that the great repricing. At some point, you know, 
countries at a time will flip off and say, actually, you know, uh, the BRICS are launching a basket or pan regional currency backed by gold. We're going to use that uh, and we're going to reprice all of our goods in that. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's a jolt. You can imagine, you know, everything from supermarket labels through to online purchasing and supply chains and everything in between having to go from U.S. dollars and reprice it in some kind of basket regional currency. Um, it would be uh, a mad dash to get all the, those IT systems sort of flipped over quickly. But it is possible. Um, whereas the individual, uh, everyday people, they can just simply be their own bank and take their, take control back. Because as all this unfolds, and now it's it's absolutely mathematically impossible that life goes on and we go back to normal. It's just right. the right. math doesn't work. The, the the central banks are cooked. It's the end. Um, so you know, the, the, what do you do? <laughs> um, you you take control of your life and then put your you know um, value into something that's productive, and those productive assets will go up. They're already starting to go up in relative terms to the, the U.S. dollar. Um, I mean, just look at gold, right? Uh, it's tethering on all-time highs, about 2000 20 30 50 bucks or whatever. Mm-hmm. As soon as we break 20, 2100 I think it's off to the races. And, and um, you know, again, it's like last month, or sorry, last quarter, the physical delivery for gold by various central banks, non-Commonwealth central banks, so you know China, India, Russia, um, Brazil, all of these different countries have just been buying record amounts of physical delivery, right? They, they've been stockpiling their bullion for a decade now, and so they're they're positioning themselves and ready for the, this transition. Um, so we could enter a world where the West does get a way of rolling out these policy coupons and replacing money with CBDCs, um, and they, they're going to experience a huge brain drain. People will leave. You know, mm-hmm. that people won't want to live in that system, so they'll move to countries um, that that are doing it properly and actually returning back the sound money. Well, so yeah, it's just going to be a wild time. <laughs> Well, one of those <clears throat> countries, I mean, that you mentioned, El, El Salvador. I mean, El Salvador may not have its own currency, but, I mean, they're using Bitcoin on a day-to-day for purchases and stuff. How, how are they actually doing that? They are – okay, so let me give you a bit of background, right? So El Salvador yeah. has been through some horrendous, horrendous stuff for a few decades now. Mm-hmm. By the way, uh, Starlink's working again. I can join back on Zoom. Oh, um, cool. As I get that set up, you know, El Salvador went from like the number one murder capital on the planet to uh, not a single homicide, I think, in like three or four months now. Wow. Um, with the, yeah, the democratically elected president, Bukele, um, was two years ago now, two and a half, three years ago, he uh, transformed the country super quickly. He came in there and he knew exactly what to do. He branded all the MS-13 gang members. You know, they, they would stop outside of little towns and wait for trucks to deliver supplies to, you know, uh, the supermarkets. Mm-hmm. And they would hold them up and, and take them bribe money before they could make their delivery. I mean, that's lowball stuff. Brian, I'm, I'm, I'm letting you back into the uh, the call. So I, as I do that, you're going to be on there twice. <clears throat> so just making sure that this works. 
and you just disconnected. And there you I'm are. Here. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So yes, I'm sorry. Uh, so obviously things are looking up for El Salvador, and uh, and and you know, I mean, I, I, I've 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 been following uh, Bukele's uh, leadership and and the things that he said publicly. I mean, for the last couple of years, and he really does seem totally based. He he knows what's going on, uh, and he knows what it takes to actually run his country so that the people of that nation uh, are getting the benefit of all of the positives that uh, that happen when you're doing things the right way. So the number one thing he did right away is he put, uh, he labeled the MS-13 gangs as enemy combatants and he yep. got the military to deal with them. They arrested about 40,000 of them. It's hard to feel sorry for them. I know that there's a lot of um, sort of human rights advocacy groups that are saying this is all illegal, et cetera. But you got to understand these people have their rap sheets tattooed on their bodies, right? Yes. All the rapes and murders are individual tattoos. They're very mm-hmm. easy to identify. And so he took them off the chessboard. That's it. Boom, gone. New prison built. And that's what the media focused on. Um, Meanwhile, for the first time in I don't know how many decades, it's now safe to walk through San Salvador in the middle of the capital at night, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The people have been liberated. They they no longer need to pay bribe money for various things. Um, And they they rolled out a a number of um, really good laws. and bills that are, that have been passed and ratified. One, of course, is the famous one of, of uh, uh, adopting the Bitcoin standard and having a portion of the central bank's reserves actually move and rotate into Bitcoin. Mm. And so, the the amount of money that they spent on just buying Bitcoin, I think they've already made it back in the increase in tourism dollars. Wow! Right? Because Tourism's exploded and you've got wealthy Bitcoiners that are going there, spending money, buying property, building new businesses um, in mass, right? They, um, so, so, I mean, any country could do that. And he actually facilitated a meeting of 20 different uh, finance ministers from different countries around the world, mainly Central um, and South America and, and a few African nations, I believe. And so I wouldn't be surprised to see the rise of, say, a, a pan-Central American currency, you know, Nicaragua, Panama, other places together saying, hey, look, the, the dollar is devaluing, the world is de-dollarizing, let's have our own um currency between us or at least trade agreements and security packs and stuff like that, which I think is is an obvious good policy. Um, they also don't have like hardcore propaganda media, right? Because in, in the um, Commonwealth nations, the, the media is dead. We, we only have activists pretending to be journalists. Um, so I'm, I'm ever thankful that uh, Elon Musk agreed to help uh, by buying a crime scene, Twitter and, and, <laughs> and isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? Uh, listen, a lot of people are really upset at Elon today because they've just announced that Twitter is no longer going to allow Substack links on the platform because apparently Substack is coming out with a sort of a competing service called Substack Notes. Uh, I I know very little about it. I just know that a lot of people are now saying they're not going to use Twitter. I I think. This is a mistake. I think they're they're shooting themselves in the foot. I understand he wants to keep people on the platform, and uh, but that, it, it, I don't know. It just it doesn't ring uh, uh, very good for I, the the future. Whenever I hear a new uh, story, a new narrative, I always think, okay, well, 
we're in a fifth generation war. It's an information war. Mm-hmm. Give it a give it a couple of weeks to see how the story pans out. He might not be doing it for anti-competitive reasons. Yeah. He might be doing it for something that's yet to be revealed. That's um, a problem. Um, people love to crap on on Elon. Oh, they do um, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, I the re, my the my my source on this is Matt Taibbi. Matt Taibbi is now right. saying that yeah, he's not going to use Twitter anymore because he's going to be going over to Twit or to Substack Notes. I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll see how it all pans out. But I mean, I could I could uh, I could foresee Elon create. I mean, he's already trying to monetize the platform. So if he creates some sort of article writing aspect to it that is subscription based you pay your five or ten dollars a month uh you know through your twitter account and then you can read this exclusive content that that definitely would be a competitor to Substack. um but who knows we'll see what happens uh listen we are going to take some calls you guys uh so if you have any questions about crypto or like what you can do in the meantime before the united states dollar completely collapses we've got fran here uh and let's go ahead and bring in our first caller DJ Vector, who happens to be uh, one of our Australian correspondents. And uh, Vector had mentioned in the chat earlier, Fran, that digital ID is rolling out down there in Australia. So, Vector, welcome back to the program. It's so good to see you. Oh, hello, Red Pill. How are you? It's been so long that I've been on the show. I've been working and uh, just I'm still doing heaps of other things. So, like, but, yeah, I'm in my kitchen doing what you'd, a chef would, you know, you'd expect a chef to do. I love it. But, yeah, um, I've missed you all. Hello to your guest, Fran, uh, like another fellow person from down under here. I'm from Brisbane, so yeah, it's the most livable city, <laughs> apparently. Um, quite boring. But, yeah, there's nothing uh, boring about what they're doing in Australia, especially they're trying to push this digital ID now, which they're going to link everything to including, you know, Medicare, Social Security, all that stuff. And I'm sure that's going to link to your, um, uh, you know, all the CBDCs and um, uh, otherwise they're not going to give you your universal basic income or whatever they're thinking about bringing down here. It's about the control structure. So they're going to probably start it off in places like Australia and Canada or in Australia and New Zealand, they seem to be able to get away with whatever they want. Um, And your new prime minister asked about what is a woman? That um that oh, was that pretty was... tough, like, Fran. <laughs> couldn't couldn't do it, bro. I was like, right, we look dumb. I didn't want to go there. Oh, that was brilliant. I I absolutely loved to see that. It was uh, just the mental gymnastics he was trying to go through. Like, why do you need a pre-canned answer to the question, "What is a woman?" Like he see, could what, not what it, answer it. <laughs> but what it revealed, forget the subject. What it revealed is that all of all of the questions are pre. Um, registers exactly um, yeah that, that that and the whole um woman's rights speaker i don't even know her name um it was a huge fiasco where oh the australian woman at the, at the first no it's in new zealand i think she was someone that had moved from Colombia, where she was oppressed apparently and then uh she had some kind of altercation i think with other people at some sort of rally or protest in new zealand talking about women's rights and trans rights well, that, was that. The, that was that was the, another um, one no, it, it was the same event. It's just the, the Colombian person uh, was the instigator of the violence. And gotcha. it's just the, the way the way that the media present. Like, I never heard of this Josie Posey or whatever her name is, Women's Rights Speaker. Ah, uh, yes, like, that's right. Uh, yeah, I get it. Now, the blonde one, I've never heard of her either, but it's She, she came here and, and she just got swarmed by these 
people that seem to um, just want to hurt her, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, the, and the police uh, just, I don't, I don't know what happened. They get stand-down orders. It was it was a very odd event. But I don't look at the, the minutiae and the granularity. I look at what actually happened with, um, it's like, think of it as throwing a rock in a pond, right? This whole event, um, forget which sides. I look at the news and I just saw earlier today that the uh, the rich and wealthy are uh, reducing in their numbers coming to New Zealand now, right? Well, the that's interesting. For a, for a while, I mean, New Zealand was the place to go. I mean, if you were a, a, a wealthy individual, you would go open up a bunker down there in New Zealand just in case the world ended. They're not doing that anymore? Well, the news is that um, these recent events have painted New Zealand in a very negative light. Um, and it's caused a reduction in tourism and a reduction in interest in wealthy people coming here. I think it was actually The Guardian that um, published yesterday the um, lackluster volume of wealthy people coming to New Zealand. Because they used to be a totally different story. People were clamoring, like you say, to come here. Yeah. So that's now starting to unfold. Basically, everything woke goes broke. I mean, I know it's yeah. an overused expression, but um, it has real economic consequences. Um, and so I just want to live somewhere where I don't need to deal with this level of crazy, right? Um, because the banking system, being as fragile as it is, is already enough to concentrate on and try and sort of uh, walk through and plan for. But what about what what about the the jab policies down there? Do you think that that it, do, do people think that has had any effect on people willing to to visit New Zealand? I mean, because basically, I mean they 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 went for a hundred percent vaccination status on everybody, and I don't know how successful they were, but I mean, I I think that they had restrictions on people coming and going from New Zealand and to New Zealand based upon their vaccination status as well. Yeah, so they, like the UK and Canada, kind of did a 180 and got rid of those okay. six, six months ago. But it was brutal. It's like, I know lots of New Zealanders who were offshore and they couldn't come back for a multitude of reasons, either personal choice or the lottery system to get back in the country, which was called MIQ at one point. Um, it was... It, it's almost like being isolated and it's like they don't want people to come here immigrate here we've, we've just had news that five thousand nurses um, are expected to be leaving or already left to go to mm. australia for uh, better pay packers because they still like in the, in the in the medical field if you're a nurse doctor whatever all of the restrictions still apply right um, and i i know friends that were um fired um for just questioning uh the subject um, and then the news came out of uh, how the hospitals were overrun. Well, they weren't overrun. They fired a lot of thousands of workers. Um, and so, again, it's the media in this country is the biggest problem. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm so thankful that um, at least Twitter, the bird has been freed to some extent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the, oh, the yeah. media are, are just like, if they don't get away with what they've done, they're cooked. And so they're, they're acting very irrationally now. They, t- they totally lost the plot because they, they can't back out now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Vector, I just want to say the the meme <laughs> with the man holding the woman's eyes open saying, read this box, that's one of my favorite ones. Do you know what I'm talking about? 
Yes, I do. That's um, th- I'm pretty sure this one is um, um, military industrial complex. It's one of the tracks on my album. So okay, um, right. this, is the, this is the film clip that I put together before I even knew how to make videos. So I literally made everything on the screen there when it took all the memes, put it together. But I remember that one that uh, about the Karen having her eyes pulled open with the box because Q posted that one, and we just thought, yeah, we're gonna have fun with this one. Which we do. Um, we have an army of mean soldiers, ladies and gents. And who was that person? You had Nate Kane on last week, and he was yep. calling out for uh, mean lords. So I'm, yep. I'm going. I've had a busy week, but uh, I'm going to go and, and approach. Memes are memes are far more important than people realize because, like hieroglyphs, they pack so much information into a single image. You can articulate the zeitgeist or undertone or the sort of unconscious collective frustration of society in a single meme. And so again, it's like we're in, we're in information warfare, and um, memes are are more than just. Uh, and we need comedy to stay sane as well. Yes, right? yes. I'll yes. bring you comedy. Don't worry, Fran. I'm bringing you comedy. <laughs> um, what I wanted to say though is that yeah, I'm I'm employing these memetic warfare techniques to this information war, and um, I know that my my alleys is uh, U.S. digital soil. That's why I'm I'm not involved with Australian politics and that sort of stuff. I've got all kinds of reasons for that. Zach knows about it. But like, as, as far as I'm concerned, I'm a U.S. patriot fighting on U.S. digital soil. So I know my branding. I've been sheep dipped in the U.S. flag. I know, I know the mission because I know that we have to save America because if we don't save America, it doesn't matter what the rest of the countries in the rest of the world are doing. We're all going to be in a pretty bad way. So this all goes back to the Second Amendment, doesn't it? Which backs up our First Amendment, which is non-negotiable. We do not negotiate with terrorists, ladies and gents. The Second Amendment shall not be infringed. So if the Second Amendment goes, then the United States will... F- fall apart and uh and and break down that's that's exactly what they want just like stalin did and hitler did and pol pot and all these these leaders these despots that uh disarmed their population and then of course uh chaos ensued afterwards so i worry a bit about australia having been disarmed and also new zealand i don't know what happened with your guns whether you gave them back or not um is jacinda Ardern a man that's some more questions so um <laughs> yeah friend, what, what's your what's your opinion on that because uh it, from my perspective, you that video. That, like, for the last three years, I've done very little public speaking because I don't want to end up, um, you know, cancelled. And yes. my biggest concern is looking after uh, my staff's salaries and, and job security, right? So I'm just chipping away by helping companies um, write better um, treasury policies to, you know, some of the larger ones just think about 10% of whatever cash reserves they have to move it and rotate it into Bitcoin uh-huh. just as a hedge. Right. Um, so Indeed, yeah. this is the first time I've kind of come onto a non-traditional finance podcast, if you will. Sure. Uh, to just spread the word of, of um, um, uh, you know, the coming financial chaos, but I assure you, Dr. Uh, Vector, if you get a couple of Negronis in me, we'll, we'll get on with like a house. <laughs> All right, Vector. We, we, Look, we won't, uh, we, we won't push to, Fran. I'm going I'm to go, but there, I'm, yeah, you're a pretty funny guy. I'm sure we can get in touch sometime. Yeah. Uh, listen, uh, like, what can I say, man? Listen, Australia and New Zealand are stepping up. We're not all completely retarded. We're doing the best that we can. We understand the seriousness of the situation. It's a worldwide thing. This is the spirit of America around the world, of freedom, of patriotism, of freeing ourselves through cryptocurrency, whether it be Bitcoin or just the decentralized ledger technology that makes you your own bank so that you don't have so much exposure to the collapse that I've been calling for years, man. I'm sure you have as well, friend. And it's hard oh, to yeah. be 
people looking at you like you're really crazy. You're like, yeah, yeah, everything's going to collapse. And you're like, um, and they're like, right, I don't really know what I, that uh, that means for me. And it means, well, you, all the money that you've got in the bank, the government's going to take and all your super and all that stuff, your 401ks, that's all going to end up getting pilfered as well. So, because uh, they're going to run out of money and cry poor and forget your pension. Now they've already raised that to almost 70 in Australia anyway. So, you know, they've already yeah. done all this stuff. They don't have any money to pay for anything. They've already effed everything up. So this is their way of covering it up now. And as you said, friend, they're prepared to kill to cover this up because it's so bad. And, you know, like I, I'm in the Q movement, the truth movement. So this isn't just the cryptocurrency. I, I've got a pretty good handle on that market. I used to be a financial planner as well. But uh, now just connecting all the geopolitics and uh, all the corruption and Joe Biden and his family and Burisma and the Ukraine and Russia and all the money laundering and our eyes having been opened that, yes, it's all just a massive scam, whether it be all the money that Australia's sending over to Ukraine and our Bushmasters when, you know, I mean, we couldn't fight off a twig with our military at the moment, man. Like, you know, why are we even sending all this money and it makes us look very bad. So on that note, yeah, I'll just, I suppose if, if you want to comment on that and then I'll say goodbye and thank, thank you so much, uh, Zach and Fran. Sure. Yeah. I'm not familiar with all of the things you just uh, brought up, but uh, effectively um, I think we're at a turning point in, in history. I think we have to be brought as a society to the precipice to um, understand um, and then therefore remove this ridiculous level of corruption. Um, I think people are waking up in a big way and realizing um, how corruption actually works um, in, a, in a number of different um, sort of facets to it. But a lot of it is to do with the money. If you fix the money, you fix the world. And see, what I'm excited yeah. about is I don't think there's going to be an overnight collapse in the US dollar. I think it's a process that will come in waves. But what will happen along those waves is all of the nefarious, dodgy crap that's been you know, stuffed into bills or black budget projects, they'll, the funds for those will, will go away. And then people will come out and say, well, you know, no one's paying me to shut up anymore. So here you go. Uh, here's some stuff about any given subject, right? And um, uh, th- that's what I'm excited about, particularly some well, of the um, interesting um, technology, because like, where did ChatGTP come from? It just boom. Overnight. I know, right? Yeah. <clears throat> well, on, on that note of uh, people saying things, leaking things, it was just reported a couple of hours ago that... U.S. national security documents related to the war in Ukraine, uh, secrets about what they're planning to do, a spring offensive, uh, things related to China and the Middle East. Uh, Someone leaked them on Twitter. Uh, They just showed up uh, and the documents are uh, are pretty interesting. And again, it's like, is this legitimate documents and they're being strategically leaked to prevent the offensive or is the entire thing misinformation? Mm -hmm. Like, give it a week before the um, story shapes itself. The the fact that this is happening, right, it's only going to cause the consequence of the public realizing that they're in an information war. Yes, yes. of, of uh, in, you know, uh, info battle. Basically. It's true. It's true. All right, Vector, thanks wow. a lot for your call, buddy. I appreciate you. Thank you. And, and Thank I'll, you, Fran. Uh, Thank you, Red Pill. Love, love you guys. You. Love you too, brother. Talk we'll to talk you. to you soon. Peace. All right, I think DJ is our next caller. DJ, is that you? That's me, Zach. How uh, are you? I'm good, brother. How about yourself? I'm I'm good. I'm, I'm a lot better today than I have been in the last two weeks. Oh, well... Um, I, 
Well, I'm glad to hear it, but sorry that uh, you've been going through a tough time. My, well, I, I, I tell you, my brother passed, so that's, that's right. affected me. You know, yeah. I'm down about that. I can understand. And, uh, you know, just all the stuff that's involved with that, you know, there's like a lot going on right now. Sure. But, you know, like everything else, I'll get through it. Right on. Don't kill right. me. It's just going to make me stronger. Exactly. That's right. Exactly. Okay. Oh. So, friend. I have a question. I have a couple of questions for you, and I'm very glad that we're on this subject because a lot of people don't like it when I go off subject. So I'm not going to go off subject. Um, <laughs> but I was <laughs> okay. Did you guys see um, House Resolution 2435? Uh, tell me exactly what it is. I don't know. I don't know the number. I took a screenshot of it. Um, hang on a second. I'm pulling it up now. Okay. How it's HR twenty four thirty five to define the dollar as a fitted weight of gold and for other purposes. Yes. So that, yeah, so, so which, which, go ahead. Oh wow. I'll, I'll just get right into it. I haven't read the bill, you know, in its entirety. I have seen some of the first analysis of this bill. Um, you know, uh, Andy Biggs, Paul Gusser, um, Anna Luna, the, the um, sponsors, co-sponsors of this bill. And from the looks of it, it's a first attempt to actually um, create a treasury dollar. Like that's mm-hmm. that's what I expect. You know, three or four waves of bank runs, currency debasements, sovereign debt defaults, probably Antifa on the street causing chaos. National Guard comes in, everything's on fire, chaos, yada, yada. And then boom, the treasury rolls out a treasury dollar. Mm-hmm. I think that is the that's only the, way. That's and pretty think, much the way I see it coming. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, what, so it's good to you know, know, you know, I mean, the, the, the question always is, you know, are, are, are we going to get there in time? Is it going to be us or is it going to be the black hats? You know, and I love seeing something like this. I believe a couple of months ago I heard some discussion about uh, Andy Biggs talking about presenting something like this, but I was not aware that they had actually brought it to the floor. Um, yeah, th- this is exactly what we need. Absolutely. Yeah, it's just been introduced um, you know, we know there's a process. We don't know how long, if it's weeks yeah. or months. But we're talking about a legislative change, not a technological change. And so think about this effort to create or back either the existing U.S. dollar or a reconstituted treasury dollar with gold versus the effort of multi-billion, multi-stakeholder, central bank digital currency digital ID combined rollout. That is difficult. That that was not supposed to happen until 2025. Mm. You know, the tech's not ready. So to answer your question, Zach, I think um, if this legislation or something similar passes in the next six months, um, it will outpace the efforts to roll out a uh, fully functional CBDC. Okay, okay. So um, I, I, I think this is good news. I, I've been waiting to see something of this this order since like 2019. I've been looking at this. So hopefully it comes. Yeah, I think that people are going to like things will get worse because they have to to get rid of this this problem. But think of it this way. I think Cliff High had a great um, comment where it's like you've got a bunch of leeches all over your body or your whole life, <laughs> and then you take them off. 
And, you know, you put some gauze on it, you stop the bleeding, and then suddenly you're just amazed at how quickly, how much better you feel. And so as we get rid of this um, debt-based, inflation-prone, boom-and-bust cycling, you know, Frankenstein monster that is the, the current financial system or the dollar, and we replace it with sounds money like 80 plus countries are, and they're now, mm-hmm. you know, shining examples like El Salvador, how much their economy could boom. I think the Western world will be shocked at how quickly the economy does recover um, after the money's fixed. Um, but yeah, okay. yeah, no illusions. Yeah, Some serious pain needs to happen first. Hey, listen, you know, in order to bring a child into the world, it takes a woman a lot of pain. So, you know, in order to create something new, it always, <laughs> takes <pain. laughs> it always takes pain at first. I think we're getting close to that analogy being illegal in my country. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, what, which, which, which analogy? You're talking about anything that I say, woman? <laughs> Did I say a bad word? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on that you know, subject, to me, it's just I'm not noise. really going to talk on that subject, which I'm not really going to talk about, I would say that Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition is the last thing that we got. If they go there, I'm just totally done with everything. I think they did what? a couple of years ago, if I'm not mistaken. No, no, don't tell me that. Don't, no, don't you be the Vero Grandos. Don't tell me that. I'll hang up right now. I'm not the phone. I mean myself. I'll hang myself right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, so the other th- the other thing I wanted to ask you about, Fran, can you tell me of anything about XUSDP? XUSDP is that a crypto? Uh, yes. So, so from uh, what I hear, from what I hear, this coin right now it's way under a penny, but it's supposed to open soon at like. I think forty four twenty. I, I don't know how that's going to be possible, but I, you know, this is what I hear is this coin is actually backed by a mineral um, that's going to replace. So they're going to replace like nuclear power in the near future, and this material, this mineral that this coin is backed by, I, I can't. I don't really remember the exact name of is the it, mineral. Is it thorium? But it's like. This, Deuterium or deuterium or something like deuterium. that. Deuterium. That's like uh, heavy right. water. Right. So it's like this is a main ingredient for like a hydrogen-backed energy. Um, and that this is supposed to come out, like I, I bought a million and a half coins. It's supposed to come out at somewhere like 4420. I'm not even looking at that number. If it comes out at a dollar and a half, I'm good. The total supply of this asset seems to be 100 billion units, right? Yes. So a dollar is a $100 billion market cap. Um, be careful of anybody or anything in the crypto space that talks about how in the future it will be listed for X price. Um, but this is a great segue if I can just talk about what's called real-world assets, um, tokenized real-world assets, right? So one of the companies I run is a stablecoin business where, you know, um, a dollar comes in and one token comes out. And so we just have that in what's called the bearer trust. We can't touch it. You can't touch it. It's audited. 
um, and its governs um, to be non-fractional reserve. And the only reason we do that is so that we can create a tokenized New Zealand dollar. And yes, we understand the New Zealand dollar may continue losing its purchasing power, but while it's digital, it's programmable. So that means I can do simple things like, uh, you know, pay Zach 20 bucks on the first of each month. Right. I can write that in. I can create my own smart payments and, and all the rest and send it to your wallet outside of the SWIFT network instantly, very cheap, um, you know, in real time anywhere in the world. And so uh, that, that is a dollar um, that backs the token. Then you have gold tokens like Paxos and others have created, you know, maybe a tenth of an ounce or a hundredth of an ounce is one token and they have actual bullion sitting in a vault somewhere and they do what's called proof of reserve so that you know that they're not just making tokens out of thin air and that they actually have some value to back it. So I've seen a number of efforts to try and sort of tokenize other real world assets and commodities of various types, including bullion and, you know, various metals, uh, rare earths, uh, wheat, uh, all kinds of stuff. And it comes down to um, custody Right? Like, do these people actually have it? A proof of reserves? How well is it governed? Um, I won't touch any coin unless I sort of know the, the full parameters. I hear a lot of talk about how, say, Ripple and Stellar are secretly backed by the world's biggest um, pile of gold. But it's like, show me the... <laughs> firstly, why would, why would they do that? Why would they um, give away an astronomical amount of gold to um, to back ripple holders or whatever like it, it just doesn't make sense um, so just be aware of claims I'm, I'm not familiar with this particular ticker ticker symbol that you've brought up here um, but mm-hmm. I would just say um, you know you you, you want to know who who's behind it how are they storing it how are they accounting for it if it's actually backed by some um, resource right um, okay. and uh, in the meanwhile you know just uh, uh, keep hodling Bitcoin and uh, um, you know, chase various different. I mean, if you're into the tech, you could look at various different DApps and things. But but that's that's um, it's not sound. It's, it's for participating. The thing, the thing that's making me nervous. So from the literature that I read about this UX XUSDP, um, it's backed by like I, I think it's twenty four billion dollars it's the in india is backing it um you know people in india in india but the, but the thing that makes me nervous about this is that they keep raising the amount of coins that's no good you know it started out with like the cap was like fifteen thousand, and they raised it like i mean 15 billion and then they raised it and then they raised it and they keep raising the amount of coins, that's not good. Because every time you raise the amount of coins, it lowers the value, in my so, eyes, anyway. No, it's, it's basic economics, right? So you can use blockchain technology to replicate all the dumb and nasty parts of the existing financial system, right? You can, you can make a, a broken concept more efficient and, and more broken with the use of blockchain. Um, and, and it's quite common to see these kind of heavily inflationary token projects come out um, that have no utility, right? They have to have some usefulness, like Ethereum, that, you know, you have to pay 
for the transaction. It's called gas. It's really easy to articulate. But there's still a debate in some countries and legislators whether it's a security or not. And then you go down the list, you know, to, I don't know, BNB and XRP and Cardano and everything else. And you have to evaluate them each on their own. So a lot of people don't have time for that, right? Especially the masses the, 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 that are just worried about the, the purchasing power of the dollars in their bank account. That's their first problem. And then you start taking that seriously because, um, you know, it's, it's going to get worse. Um, so I encourage everyone to just do your own due diligence. I haven't been able to find the website for this project that you're talking about. But, I mean, as you say, it doesn't sound very good if they're increasing the supply and, um, and you can't just Google them and find, you know, all about them straight away. So I hope okay. that answers your question. Okay. So I have, I, I just have one last question that came to mind. Sure. I don't know if you know about this subject, but I've known about this for a while, and I'm wondering how this is going to go. So um, in the United States, everybody has to have a birth certificate. And from what I know, that that birth certificate is stamped at your birth and you are traded on the, on the market like a commodity, like human beings are traded like a commodity. So that gives a value of each United States citizen in the millions, depending on how long you live. So what happens with that money? Like, does that, is that become my money eventually? Or is there a way for that to become my money? Because it's me that they're trading without my consent. You know, my parents, I, I guess they didn't know. Oh, here, here, here. Everybody has when they sign. You know what I mean? Look, I've, I've heard the concept that we are just, um, you know, basically traded on some shadow dark pool in terms of our, our certificates. Um, that's exactly the kind of subject that I'd be cancelled on if I uh, go in depth into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me let me put it to you this way. If there is any truth to that, it will come out in the next few months. Um, I have not seen anything that is hard evidence on that subject, but we do know about dark pools and shadow banking and all kinds of stuff. Whether they're related, interconnected, we don't know. So it's just like any other macro theme, let it brew. But we're now entered well and truly a period of disclosure. And the public is finding out more and more about a whole kaleidoscope of uh, subjects. Um, Absolutely. So just watch this space. Very true. DJ, I will tell you this. At one time, I was successfully able to use my Federal Reserve account information to pay some bills, but they figured it out really quickly and they uh, they refunded the money and made me pay the bill again with my own money. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it, it, it definitely worked. I've talked to people who were doing it for quite some time. So, you know, I don't know. All right. Well, listen, buddy, we got to go on to the next caller, but I really appreciate you as always. Okay, listen, um, somebody said in, in the pre- in the chat, prayers up for me. Thank you to that person. Yes. I couldn't exactly see who it was. Amen. Um, and I am a follower of Jesus, and, you know, I know everybody celebrates Easter, but Jesus mm-hmm. never celebrated Easter. He celebrated Passover. So I will say happy Passover to everybody. Happy Passover. Um, God bless everybody, um, and God bless you, you two guys, uh, as always. You know, we love you, and we know you love us. God bless America, and God bless us all. Talk Much love. Soon. Talk to you soon, man. Peace. Take care. All right. Next caller. Caller, you're on the air. Can we get a name? Yeah, Zach. This is Scott. 
Scott, welcome to the program, buddy. How you doing? Pretty good. How are you? Excellent. Um, What's your uh, question so, for Fran? Uh, Go ahead. So it's kind of for both of you. Um, so I was looking at the uh, usdebtclock.org. Mm-hmm. And it no longer says uh, Federal Reserve. It says uh, U.S. Treasury. That is, that's certainly interesting. Yes. And, you know, Fran and I, we were talking about this right before the show. I mean, the, 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 uh, the government or, or the, the, was it the treasury that took over the FDIC? The anyways, I mean, it, things have been kind of strange in this, in this sector for a while. And, uh, I remember a couple of years ago, we were tracking, uh, how President Trump had apparently moved the Federal Reserve inside the treasury. So, uh, yeah, I had, I didn't know that the debt clock had changed. Yeah. So then also what the other odd thing on that debt clock is if you look at the the price of oil, silver and gold, they're all zeroed out on there. Yes. So first uh, question is, you know, where where does this information come from? Who runs this website and that kind of stuff? I've not done that analysis. I do find it very interesting. We kind of did some research on it and it's kind of an independent. It's not. Nobody, they're like an independent organization that runs it. Yeah, so if are they making a political statement or are they uh, representing factually correct um, information with the change of the language? Language is super important. Um, I always watch when, when, um, when the use of words changes. And mm-hmm. if I may, just super quickly. So I've participated in a number of different countries' advisory for central banks, uh, digital currency, steering committees and forums and stuff like that. And they all started out um, highlighting and stressing, we won't get rid of cash, <coughs> and using words like... <clears throat> Privacy first, uh, you know, security-led privacy first. And over the sessions, over time, um, they the, 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 those words have transmuted, they've changed, they've dropped the assurances and the language around privacy about, no, no, we, this, you know, you won't be able to have policy overlay onto CBDC, so on and so forth. So good spot in there. I, I see that. And look, it is of my opinion that I think the uh, Treasury has already taken over the Fed. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's so many anomalies uh, of the way in which these uh, recent bank runs uh, have been rolled up and how quickly certain things have been put into place, you know, almost of military precision of how quickly some of these catastrophic runaway problems have just been addressed, you know, overnight. Um and, uh, I mean, I, this is what I hope occurs. That's, you know, um, the a government department for a government that's elected by the people in the first place is the ones that is issuing the money and is controlling the money, not outsourced to a third party, right? The Federal um, Reserve is about as Federal, Federal Express. And, yes, they are supposed to repatriate and have been repatriating uh, their profits back to the Treasury. Um, but have they ever been audited? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't know. Uh, we just don't know what's inside the black box. And the thing is that no one alive today is old enough to have lived outside of a, of a central bank system. And so 
we're just not wired to think how it could be different, how, how a sound money system could operate. Um, so I would be very happy to hear that um, uh, duly elected government representatives are now in control of uh, the actual um, of the Fed. Um, but I think this is one of those themes that we're just simply going to have to wait to, to bubble out and be revealed and disclosed um, for minimum civilian casualties. Yeah. So, Scott, yeah. it's, it's my understanding, you know, that the information on the debt clock is pulled from that publicly sourced information. So uh, and, you know, with the knowledge that uh, the Treasury had taken over the Fed a couple of years ago, I mean, it makes sense that it's now the Treasury that is reporting the national debt information rather than the Federal Reserve. And uh, just as Fran said, I mean, I, I hope that the, uh, the the full complement of the information gets rolled out to people and that we're able to kind of uh, softly land uh, this uh, Hindenburg that we're on currently. <laughs> yeah, and to the third party thing like he's talking about, uh, El Salvador has always used, they don't have uh, their own currency. They've yeah. always used U.S. currency. So when they switched over to Bitcoin, that kind of put a wrench in the system down there. Yeah, that's right. And, and I'll, I'll talk about that for a couple of minutes. I'm really excited about it because, you know, we're talking about a country, again, that's gone from a civil war and the highest murder capital on the planet to now being safer than walking um, downtown in San Salvador than downtown San Francisco, right? Um so the, the people have uh, this thing called the Chivo app or Chivo wallets. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly. The government went as far as, as offered a few bucks for people to, um, you know, a free Bitcoin to, to get their first download or the first install of the app. Um, the uptake hasn't been, you know, 100%. It's not like every single business there has to and, and has the, um, you know, wallets in place to be able to receive Bitcoin for all and any payments. Um, but just by uh, the fact of getting um, the legislation in place to make Bitcoin legal tender, to encourage the country to rotate some of its treasury uh, into Bitcoin, they paid off the International Monetary Fund's debt early, right? Early. And, and that's just remarkable. And so now if the dollar de-dollarizes, you've got an environment where you've already got um, an, an encouraged population um, to, to switch over to use Bitcoin. Um, they could uh, replace the dollar with some kind of BRICS-based basket currency for their default and then still encourage people to hold their own Bitcoin and transact as, as sort of two currencies, an international currency and then a local or pan-Central American currency. We'll, we'll have to see how that works out. But I think... Um, you know they they are um, incredibly well positioned to um, uh, survive the coming chaos. And if their external liabilities are denominated in U.S. dollars, then theoretically it will cost them less and less to service that debt as the U.S. dollar decreases compares to the holdings of, of the government's holdings of Bitcoin. Um, so the reason I'm excited is because. You know, you could, I'm going to make a big claim and say, I think the GDP of El Salvador could go 50x in 10 years, over the next 10 years. And it's just such a clear trajectory. You've got these beautiful securities laws that have come out. You've got, you know, strong um, uh, protection and commerce pacts with their neighbors. 
they got rid of all the gangs, cleaned out the corruption. They even got rid of some corrupt mayors and, and uh, um, people exposed themselves in the judiciary there. So it's all just been house cleaned. And so that means that you could do anything, right? You could set up a, a chain of hair salons or Jim's, you know, uh, lawn mowing service. Everything will be in demand. And so I want to live in a place that's on the up and up, not in a place that's, you know, where a prime minister can't articulate uh, what a woman is. Brilliant. <laughs> it makes so much sense. All right, Scott, anything else for Fran? No, oh, he's that'll up. do it. Thanks, Zach, Fran. Oh, Good go. talking to you. All right. Have a great night. Thank you so much. And <laughs> here we go. All right, and uh, we've actually got Sweeta on the line. Sweeta is our Indian correspondent. Let's bring her in. And here we go. Sweeta, it's been a minute since we've heard from Sweeta. Hope everything's going well for her and her family. Uh, while we're waiting for her to... Oh, she is connected. Sweeta, are you there? Sweeta, can you hear me? Uh, you're muted, but now you're unmuted. Are you there? Oh, I you know I can I can tell that you have a microphone on, but it's so quiet. Like it's yeah, it's just like we can't hear you at all. You know what? Tell you what. Um let me in the chat, since we can't hear your audio, you can type your question into the chat and I'll see it. And then uh you sh- and then I can ask your question to Fran. Uh, while you're here, hopefully you can see that chat and let me see. Uh, and, uh, okay. So while we're waiting for Sweeta to do that real quick, let me just go through the thank yous that we have over here on Foxable. Um, let me see. Uh, Godspeed. Thank you very much. Who says God bless Sean Joe dropped a cookie and Sweeta disconnected, uh, fork, fork me Dano dropped a cookie. Sean Joe. Thank you as well. Fringe dweller. Uh, Bitcoin info source for noobs. Where can people go to find reliable and trustworthy info on Bitcoin? Uh, Brave New Coin, I would suggest perhaps you might be able to find some good info there. Yeah, bravenewcoin.com. Anywhere else? Yeah, well, Brave New Coin's been focusing on quality over quantity for a long time. So we don't put out dozens of articles a day. Um, yeah. We do have, if you put into the search bar, gentle introduction to Bitcoin, it's probably eight years old now. It's just the most fabulous PDF of just in layman's terms, explaining what Bitcoin is, what mining is, what blockchain is, so on and so forth. Um, there's, it's hit and miss out there. I mean, you have to give some respect to the likes of Coindesk for just their regular news, um, you know, flows. Um for pricing information, I mean, Brave New Coin lists the different prices, but um, we don't focus on the public like uh, CoinGecko.com or CoinMarketCap.com. Um, that's more for sort of everyday users. We service the more enterprise. Um, and uh, I think the most important thing is to go and meet Bitcoiners. Go to local meetups. You know, go check it out. See what the vibe is. See. Who's saying what? There is a strange phenomenon, I have to say. We call it the Bitcoin maximalists, where, where some very small part of society, just like in the real world, right? Um, you'll have a very tiny percentage that will basically, um, you know, hate you for um, uh, considering or ever accidentally touching anything that isn't Bitcoin, like right, Ethereum right. or others. 
Um, so that's that's been uh, colourful in the last couple of weeks for me, in particular because uh, um, I, I was going uh, join some lo- sort of local communities, Bitcoin, just um, offering my knowledge and all the rest. And um, uh, yeah, some of these people are are vicious, man. It's like uh, it's I, I run a website that harvests all the data and gives it away for free to anyone that wants APIs or, you know, um, information about what this industry is doing. Um, and sometimes I'm still labeled as a, as a shit coiner, whatever that means. Um, so, you know, it's been a, it's been a, it's an interesting, um, industry. I, I know one or two of uh, people that are, that are like that. Definitely Bitcoin maximalists. Uh, looks like Sweda is back on the line. Let's go ahead and bring her in. And while she's coming in, Porpoiseful, thank you. Deja Vu Q says, Aloha Friday, Patriots. Love your red pill. 07, where we go when we go all. Always a pleasure to see you out there. And then Sean Joe dropped another cookie as well. Hopefully, Sweda's microphone is going to be working this time. And uh, yes. Well, she's and, connecting. Yeah, go ahead. I've got, I've got some uh, developers in Goa. Um, uh, Goa is just the most beautiful part of India. I, I really want to visit. Um, they keep sending me photos of their office and the beach. And you know, I didn't know uh, India could uh, was so tropical in some areas. Oh well, I, I guess it's a big country, so there's lots of different areas they can have there. Sweeta, are you there? Can you hear us? Yeah, you are so quiet. Like there's, uh, there's no way it's not going to work. Can you can you type a message into the chat? In the uh, in the Zoom window, uh, if you're on your phone, I know that it's 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 definitely going to be an option that's um, that's there, and you should be able to click the chat window. And uh, let me see if I can even tag you. Maybe that will pop it up. Sweda, you uh, at Sweda, you, and I think that's the only way it's going to work because, yeah, we certainly can't hear you. Well, I don't think it's working, Sweeta, and I'm sorry that we were unable to get your question, but um, maybe there's something wrong with your phone. There's got to be something wrong with your phone because the volume is just not coming through. Um, So listen, uh, as always, it's a pleasure to know that you're out there and I appreciate you and I hope everything's okay. And uh, maybe you can drop something in the chat over on Rumble or over on Foxhole and then we can read it that way. All right. Thanks, Sweeta. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Um, so we are rapidly approaching the end of the hour, the second hour. Um, so before we go, let me just say that, uh, the last portion of the program is brought to you by our friends. Oh, actually our friends over here at, uh, onenessdrops.com. And of course my, my stuff is not working here. Let me just get that up here. There we go. Onenessdrops.com. You can purchase your own chlorine dioxide water purification kits. Uh, they make it in several different formulations. And if you use code RP78, you will save 15% on your order. As many of you know, there are uh, many different uses for chlorine dioxide, but here specifically, you can order it for water purification. Uh, However, if you also go to my friend's uh, website, uh, the Universal Antidote, then you can get the information that he's put out there for free on the various health uses you can use chlorine dioxide for. But once again, it's onenessdrops.com. Use code RP78, save 15%. And we have a super chat over on 
Rumble, S. Cushion says, are you doing live Zoom? I would like to talk tonight. Okay, well, S. Cushion, we are just about to close out the show, but let me drop the Zoom information in there and we can get you on the line. If you've got Zoom installed on your phone, here is the link. And you can just click that and join the call. Otherwise, the call information is right there on the screen. You can dial 646-931-3860. And then you've got a meeting ID, which is 865 865- 36166991 and then the passcode 486960 and Sweda is trying again. Let's go ahead and give her another shot and then hopefully uh as cushion you can jump on the line as well. Okay. And Sweda, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me that bit? Ah, yes, we can hear you this time. Awesome. Awesome. Glad to have you back. Yeah, yeah, glad to have you back. Uh, yeah. um, th- I don't ha- really have a question. I have uh, more of a comment and an observation. Okay. Uh, after the digital ID, what the real plan is to have those uh, RFID chips in the hand, uh, the World Economic Forum, what they really want is uh, you, you, own, you have no property, you have no privacy, and you're very happy. Um, so the RFID chip is already there, implemented in Sweden, and people are buying uh, groceries and buying their train tickets, um, you know, with the RFID chip, um, which is in their, which has been implanted in their hands. Um, uh, so once the you know the financial crash happens, and uh, they'll probably try to buy a lot of property back uh, from people. And you'll own no, uh, you know, and since a lot of people, and then they'll try to implement, you know, uh, you'll own no property and uh, uh, you'll not have any privacy and you'll be very happy. Uh, RFID chip, and that's something, uh, you know, I think, uh, uh, you know, that's in the plan of the World Economic Forum. Firstly, nice to meet you. Hi. And um, I don't think you, you need it because everybody already has a phone right uh, no this, no need to implant it anymore everybody's got one in their hand yeah <laughs> and they're glued to it 24 7 myself included because you know i have to i think we get open source hardware that's going to come out you got unchained innovation out of australia that's making cell phones that don't have the kinetic um connectors to the gps camera and microphone right so that you can actually kinetically disable um having having that tracking or or those services there um look i I hear about all these little cutesy kind of pilots in uh, northern europe about people willingly getting chipped and, and how convenient it is and all the rest. But let's put it this way it's like four to six percent of the population is is lost forever if, if there was an asteroid that hit the mountain in front of them and their television told them that no such thing happens, um, you, couldn't, you couldn't drag them to the crater, show them, and they still wouldn't believe you, right? So 4 to 6% of the population gone forever. Then you got about 30% that's um, going to be the last to kind of find out just how bad things have been. And they're going to be in the most pain because they acted late. They found out late. And, and it's going to be kind of reality shattering when they realize just how badly we've been lied to on a number of subjects. And then you've got about 30% that are on the fence. And I think they're well in, in the swing of converting right now. And then you've got 30% of people that can't be hypnotized like, you know, the, the, the three of us here. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, that have been called crazy for um, simply regurgitating what officials have said publicly for years. Yeah, right. That's 
It's the thing that does my head in is all of this stuff is in live speeches and uh, official documents. Um, so I don't think, um, Sweda, that they're going to um, have a lot of success with mass rollouts of these types of systems. Um, but it's a battle, right? And um, people need to just express their dislike. Otherwise, if we're all silent, we'll be, uh, you know, uh, canoeing straight off a waterfall. There you go. That's true. All right. Well, Sweda, I, we've got one more call and then we're going to end the show. But I'm glad that you were able to make it in. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Richard. Yeah, thank right. you. Have a great thank night. You. We'll see you. All right. Now, I don't know if this is S. Cushion, but the name on screen is Lash. And so we'll bring Lash in, and then that'll be the end of the show. Uh, just waiting for Lash's microphone to connect. Thank you very much, everybody. If this isn't Cush, S. Cushion, thank you very much for your donation over on Rumble. I appreciate it. Lash, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Good, Hi, to, what... good to get on with you. I awesome. always like it when they... And I hear you. I'm glad to have you here. Thank you so much. Are you S. Cushion? Yes, absolutely. Okay, awesome, awesome. Well, thank you for calling. Thank you very much for the donation. Uh, What's on your mind? Hey, what's on my mind is uh, weaponize Munchausen by proxy. (laughs) That's definitely (laughs) happening right now. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry to be a downer, but no. I... I'm always creating the worm in my client's ears every mm-hmm. day. Well, you know, I'm a mental health professional and yes. I, I, and I uh, have been having some great success. I just want the, you know, the public to know it. And I always want to give good help, but uh, yeah, I had a, great success this week i talked about you know what is you know our when we have a crisis this is how i've been getting through to people when you have a crisis it's excellent to let people know that you don't increase the crisis Mm -hmm. and i've been doing that pretty consistently um so i'm i'm always happy that when I can do that and point out to people how bad our government ran this opt, I'm always happy to do it. You know, it takes just one of us, one person at a time. Uh, I've been donated to my local people who are running as Republicans for the school district. And I am offering a free computer to anybody who is running for a local school district. And um, I've donated one computer, but I am willing to donate more. Local action, national impact, I believe is the expression. And good on you for that. I think this whole... um, What is it? How do you pronounce it? Munchausen syndrome or by proxy? Yeah, Munchausen, weaponized Munchausen by proxy. This is absolutely... Uh, Lin Bao um, in China ran this opt, and we need to combat it that way. I know Cliff High's been out with it, but you know he's absolutely right. Mm-hmm. I've been in mental health for th- over thirty-five years, and um, anybody that comes to me who is a local advocate for the school district. 
I am certainly willing to donate them a computer. And Red Pill, you're absolutely welcome to send them my way. Okay. Yeah. What? Uh, well, I mean, send me an email because I don't want you to dox your location, but um, I will. Uh, I'll, I'll be able to put you together with somebody behind the scenes for sure. Yeah. I mean, I've got a. I'm. I'm not rich, but um, I've started on this project for any patriots who are, you know, being in their local communities. I don't make a lot of money, but I will donate a computer with, uh, you know, video capability, uh, whatever they, you know, like I can't spend a thousand dollars per machine. But well, there there are I've some started. there's some incredibly powerful options out there right now that uh, that that are, are reasonably and affordably priced. So I'm sure it would make a big difference to somebody. Absolutely, I, I've already started with my first person. I sent them an unsolicited unsolicited uh, gateway machine uh, for their campaign. And they're doing well. Um, And so that's my contribution to the community. And that's what I'm willing to do is send, you know, computers out. That's what I can do right now. Awesome. Well, I think it's a great idea. And uh, as Fran said, you know, I mean, uh, you got to act locally to have a national impact. All politics are local. I mean, this this filters up. And uh, I think it's uh, it's it's pretty obvious when we see what's happening in local areas. A lot of people are missing what's happening all over the country because it's happening locally and it doesn't get reported on the national news. People are only paying attention at the federal level. And so you see the disorganization in Washington, D.C. And it's easy to just say that, oh, the country's going to shit and nothing's changing. <clears throat> but when you take a look at those local areas and, and the uh, efforts that are being taken by patriots in their own neighborhoods, I, I think it's pretty astonishing. And I think we're going in the right direction. I absolutely agree. And yeah. there is plenty of us, you know, I guess, old folks that are willing to help out here. I mean, I I don't have a lot of money, but I make a few bucks and. You know, that's what I'm dedicated to. And that's what I can do best, you know, is dedicate a few bucks. And, uh, you know, I've been helping my local community out with people that don't have money to buy seeds locally. I'm donating seeds. I mean, that's what I can do. I got to work X amount of hours per week. And Mm -hmm. it's a lot of hours for me. Mm -hmm. So I'm donating seeds and I want to encourage everybody in the community. If you can donate seeds to somebody, donate seeds, give people the seeds, help them out, give them the, you know, fertilizer. I've been investing in helping my local community with, uh, the magnetic, uh, information downloading Mm -hmm. it for gardens without um, the fertilizer. Mm -hmm. And I've been donating those magnets to my local community. I don't have time to grow a garden right now, but that's what I can do. 
Well, that's great. Everybody's playing their, their role, right? Everybody's chipping in in various ways within their means. Um, I share information as much as I can just about the macro and help people sort of think in a different way. Um, but uh, that's, that's great to hear. Good stuff. All right. Well, Lash, we're going to call it a night, but uh, I really appreciate you. And thank you for letting us know what you're doing. It's awesome. I'll send you an email. I hope to hear from some people that you know that could use a computer. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll be happy to put you in touch with them. All right. Have a great night. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. All right, you guys, uh, that is it. Let me say thank you to Deja Vu Q, who says, I beat my cancer after taking the Fenben and Ivermectin protocol. My pets and my my pets and came back totally cancer free. Um, oh, my pet scan came back totally cancer free. Uh, I'm glad to hear that. And uh, I have a family member who is dealing with cancer right now that I'm trying to get onto that regimen. So uh, hopefully I'll have some uh, uh, good news for you guys in that regard here soon enough. But listen, Fran, at the end of the show, I always like to ask my guests, what do you really want the audience to take away from our conversation tonight? Sure. So things are going to get noisier, way noisier, way more chaotic. And um, like I am a, I'm a pessimistic optimist. Mm -hmm. I think that Things have to get worse, and then we're in for, I don't know, a thousand years of peace, hopefully, yeah. you know, a better system. Again, we're going to take that leech off, and we're going to find ourselves astounded by just how much better we feel and how much better the economy is after this is done. The chaos will not be evenly distributed. It's very difficult to understand which country or how the, all this will unfold. Um, so, you know, take control of your own life. And then that starts with your own finances so that you're not stuck when millions of people have the same idea in a few months to t- yeah. take their money out, out of this broken system. All right. Good stuff. Well, I really appreciate you being here. Thank you for choosing my podcast to be the first non-crypto uh, one to come on. I think that's really awesome. And uh, to everybody out there at home, thank you very much for hanging out with us tonight. Let me just make sure that there's nothing... I don't think there is anything on Buy Me a Coffee. Uh, but yes, nothing over there. So I will be back tomorrow at 9 p.m. with my guest, which is going to be Pfizer whistleblower Debbie Bernal. She recently uh, made a disclosure through James O'Keefe at the new O'Keefe Media Group, OMG. So be here tomorrow night at 9. And until that time, good luck. God bless. We'll see you then.